that's ISO. Rack it up, rack it up, I got a bit of the bank to make me a safe house. Shake it up, shake it up, she got her hands on her knees and she bringing the cake out. Smoke it up, smoke it up, I got some gas, some packs, I'm up in the greenhouse. Ball it up, ball it up, I'm with the gang, we taking shots off the rebound. Good afternoon, I'm Mark Abizade of Walking Out of Lockdown. Today, I am very pleased to have Fernanda Ondarza de Valle, a fashion professional and founder of Glitch. There are some people that are born with the DNA for something. And the first time I ever collaborated with Fernanda, it was in Florence, in the middle of Piazza della Repubblica. We were collaborating on a photo shoot and I wanted to capture the culture of this sense. I just kept watching her because she was in front of one fashion window after another, after another. <laughs> um, and I think it's interesting that at your age, you're also gonna be the one that's pushing the fashion industry already. But first, um, let's go back to the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, what was going on? What were your expectations? What were your goals for the coming year? Well, I was primarily finishing university, so working on my dissertation. It was my final year, so working on my dissertation and my final project. So that was the end goal, get the grades, um, build the, the perfect portfolio, um, find the internship that would get me towards my career pathway. So that was really the end goal. And then, yeah, little by little, I started taking those boxes. And, you know, this pandemic actually led me to find in the chaos, like the creativity to launch my own magazine, which was actually my final project at university. Okay, and now yeah. you're interning at Condé Nast or are you fully employed there? No, so Condé Nast was, uh, the college was the university that I was in. Ah, it was in. the college Condé Nast. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, I did intern for Tatler, which is a publication of Condé Nast for a bit. But no, right now I'm interning at a influencer marketing company. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing that remotely right now. But at the same time, I'm working for, well, with my own company, with Glitch sure. Magazine. Of course. And I'm also involved in a Corona Test Center um, thing at the, in London right now as well. Really? So three okay. jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's what I'm doing All right, right well, now. That's a lot to, to talk about, too. Um, yeah. let me ask you, uh, because there is a significant generational difference between us, but also different points of view and different ways of reacting to this. Um, yeah. what was your reaction to, and I mean more emotionally, psychologically of this, because we're seeing different yeah. ages have different ways of dealing with this. How did this hit you? Yeah. Um, well, at the beginning I had like few weeks before the lockdown started in the UK, I was, I, I hit like a point in my life where I felt like everything was falling into place. I had an internship. Yeah. I moved into a new flat with a flatmate. Um, so I left living with my sister as she like moved into her relationship with her boyfriend. I found a boyfriend of myself and, and everything was just coming into place for me. And um, they had offered me to get hired with the internship that I'm in right now at end of March. So I was just so excited to just start my life. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, this whole thing happened. I had to stay home. I couldn't do any of those things. I couldn't reach out to my sister who I've moved out from and then be with my boyfriend and be with my family at all. So it felt 
a little too much at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was strong enough to deal with it though, because I have been living outside of my own family home for a while. So like having contact with the people that I love most was easy for me, or at least I thought so. And um, until later on, I like realized how much that contact with people that you you really miss, like just even just like knowing someone is around, mm-hmm. like you don't even have to talk about anything, just knowing that they're there. Um, I really, really struggled with that. And um, even though I kept busy doing my sports, which gives me the endorphins that I need and, you know, doing things for my internship, I still, I, I didn't have like the emotional headspace for, for dealing with the, with the lockdown as I should. Yeah. I think it's very difficult, especially as you say, you just got everything in line. We all at least have worked. We've had careers. We have some idea how to adapt to these things. Millennials were just at the point and now the entire rules have changed. How do you see that? How do you feel about that? I think it re- it really just comes down to the person's character and like their own upbringings. Mm-hmm. I f- I find that it doesn't really come with with age or with um like really the place you're like you were brought up in or anything. It's more like the family that you were mm-hmm. brought up with because yeah, some people are more emotional than others. Some people like to be alone and dependent and would rather you know, sit at home, watch Netflix and just, you know, have no contact with the outside world, which, you know, I've had those moments where like, I would just, you know, not want to go out when I had the chance to go out and I had the control of being able to go outside. And I found myself so many times having to stay indoors for my own safety and for other people's nowadays. Mm -hmm. And just feeling like all those times that I could have been outside, I didn't. So and I've spoken to other people, like some of my friends, that they deal with it very differently. Mm-hmm. They're okay with being inside. They're okay in being ambiverts or introverts and stuff like that. So it just depends on your character, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had you already started working on Glitch before this happened, or was this partially a result of being in lockdown? No, I wasn't. I had worked on it um, on my second year of university. So it was already something that I had put together, mm-hmm. um, presented. I even like printed copies to give to directors that I would meet every so now and again. Um, but I never got to the point of thinking, okay, I'm going to launch it. I'm going to do this. I have the time to do it. I'm going to go in company's house and register my name. Um, there was a lot of fear in whether like I would, you know, fail in it, not know how to do it, not yeah, have the sure. resources of doing it, doing it on my own. Cause yeah. it's just me. And okay. I have like my family helping here now and again, but so I launched it because I thought I'm a creative myself. I'm at home. I feel good when I create things. So good when I'm working on glitch and I'm sure that a lot of other people are feeling the same way. Even people that are, were just about to graduate and have their final collections on the runway or whatever mm-hmm. is, that, whatever it is that they're studying mm-hmm. and they couldn't do it. They have to present it from home. So I, took that opportunity to launch my magazine digitally, even though like I want to have it in print mm-hmm. um, and just started contacting as many, as many creatives as I could sold them my stories, sold them how I started as well, how I'm in the same position as they are. And they're all into it. They all bought it. They all like the idea of it. And yeah, you've gotten yeah. off to a very good start. Um, you know, it caught my attention, obviously. 
Um, and I yeah. think it's going to catch a lot of people's attention. At first, I wasn't sure. I liked the intro. I liked the teaser. But I wasn't sure where you were going with it. But now when I see the things you're posting, people's sketches, people... And, okay, you also caught me at the right time because I'm somewhat embarrassed to say that my way of getting through lockdown was actually discovering Project Runway. And really? I literally watched... <laughs> every season of Project Runway, Project Runway All-Stars, and Project Runway Junior. Um, interestingly nice. enough, probably because it was so devoid of any real world. And yet yeah. there's, a, there's, there's, a, it's like, uh, yeah, looking behind the scenes. So I was able to see how people make, and that's why I think I'm also interested in what you're doing with Glitch, because I'm more interested in seeing the inspiration, the development, the pieces, the things like that, than the actual yeah. final product. And yeah. uh, is More that a process. direction yeah. that's important to Glitch, or where do you see this going? What is your your boundaries? I mean, I say? I definitely have a a business strategy in it, but right now, um, in order to achieve that, you know, set goal business strategy, I need like funds. So right now I'm kind of just trying to work with what I do have and uh, just, you know, reach out to people as much as they can. If they're interested or not, it doesn't really matter. I just, I just keep going ahead with the, with the strategy of just trying to sell them glitch. Mm -hmm. And from an editorial perspective, what's your main focus? Are you wanting to get into articles also being more like a classic fashion magazine or much more like it is now the creatives and that part of the process or both? So, I mean, I'm not saying no to writing. I'm okay. very much open to people's opinions in, in mm -hmm. written form. I'm trying to make Glitch more of a visual magazine. So more like niche, high fashion mm -hmm. magazine, less like with a lot of articles. But I do like the introduction of interviews with people because I think that's one thing that the industry lacks. So the whole purpose behind Glitch is finding new talent. Mm -hmm. And I think that new talent, so recent graduates or freelancers that are just starting their career, they lose the opportunity for people in the industry to learn about them. And they just see their work. They maybe just see their work and they're like, oh, it's not good enough. It's not industry standard. But they don't listen to them mm -hmm. describing it. So there's that connection that we are building those bridges for the industry and like the academics or the starting amateur creatives mm -hmm. to reach that goal. Um, interesting you choose to go for, or the desire to go for print um, for many reasons. One, uh, your age in terms of technology adoption, in terms of devices and things like that. But secondly, because even what you describe sounds much more like an opportunity for video and podcast yeah. than articles, which, you know, as we're finding, and I know from history as a, uh, I've been doing feature articles for over 25 years, they're still expensive. Over time, yeah. it's still expensive to produce um, good quality feature articles. I'm not saying podcasts are less quality but there's more of an acceptance that it's a discussion to get a feel for a creative or whatever um why the desire for print in today's day and age so that was exactly what my dissertation uh, consisted of so it was like why how does print coexist in a day in a digital driven era with millennials and generation z consumers so that was my entire title on my dissertation and I did a series of interviews where I found that 
people like the tangibility of print. Yeah. So it's just the, the collectible of it, the, the being able to just know that you have it there and you can grab it and look at it. And it has a more engaging um, effect than it does when you have a digital magazine. Yeah. You just flick, flick the images, you just see it, maybe you zoom, maybe you save it. But having it in print is, you just feel like, oh, I'm special. I put money into this. I put value into this. I also put time into flicking through it at home. So that was the whole Yeah, I think there's a very big point there. You know, I am, uh, I'm digital. I'm fully versed digitally. I enjoy many things. I read thousands of pages a week on an iPad, but I have books and I have magazines. Because of the passive aspect for the magazines, you know, you're walking around your house, you're just thinking, you're vaguing, you see it again. You pick it up. That never happens with a digital magazine. That never happens with a digital book. In fact, more often than not, honestly, I think my consumption of digital magazines is singular. I'll read them once. I'll look through them once. Maybe go back to it, as you say, but print uh without doubt so i do understand that i think there's there's a strong validity to it i'm wondering if there's a model which instead of and maybe this is what you're you're talking about instead of being um one is the lesser version of the other print or digital that they actually somehow have a symbiosis that makes sense yeah that's so That's another, the conclusion of my dissertation was all about introducing a new publishing model. So Mm -hmm. what I call the hybrid publishing model. So it's getting the qualities of print and digital and merging them together. So the idea is once I do launch in print, I will have like a VR code on each page where people can engage through an app and try on products from brands that I advertise or have access to the portfolios of the new talent that we're scouting. So it's a more engaging connection. Yeah. Obviously in order for glitch to be futuristically, let's say valid, Mm. you know, in, in the day and age of digital, you know, advancements, we do aim to completely go digital, but that's something that we're trying to step away from right now as you know, the, the meta is, to value print as a medium. Yeah, and I think, I'm trying to remember which was the the fashion magazine, was it big? That would just come out with a different version every time, and it was really about the collectible, you know? And I agreed with that, I understood that. If the print magazine is something you want to have, you want to keep, that adds special value, I see that. Okay, so, what was the hardest thing for you in lockdown? Um, I had a lot of like ups and downs and very ups, ups and downs, downs, like with, you know, not sure about where my career was going, whether I was going to, you know, be able to come out of lockdown with a secure job. That's really like mm-hmm. one thing that's really in my mind right now is my career. So I'm very career driven. And, um, so it was, yeah, that was just consistently on my mind. Is this internship going to take me anywhere in the future? Um, and yeah, I was just not living in the present, not making sure that I was taking the time to get to know my new flatmate, who's now my very close friend or taking the time to reach out to my family because I have, I don't have that much time to do in the week or the weekends. Mm. Cause I'm 
doing my everyday busy life. Um, so that, that was really like the moment that hit me. I was just very, very low on thinking about the future and the what ifs. Um, is there anything that you did in lockdown that you wouldn't have done uh, other than obviously start a new magazine and little details like that, but important stuff. No, is there anything you did during <laughs> lockdown that helped you that you probably wouldn't have done in normal life and you, and will you continue it? I think one thing for sure, I started reaching out more to my family. So my family, most of my family's in Mexico or in the States or Canada. So I definitely realize that I have to stay in contact with the people that matter to me the most that you know will no matter what will always be there for me yeah, and so yeah I just I did that and I think knowing how good it has done to us as a family mm -hmm. I'll definitely continue doing that after lockdown just schedule a weekly call or monthly or whatever it is every two nice. months just for the whole family so yeah. I think I would do yeah, that yeah. um okay um Let's say today's the first day of the end of lockdown. You get to your front door. You can go anything. You can do anything. What is the first thing you want? I think I'll probably go to Hyde Park and just, you know, lie lie in the park without being scared of having anyone near me or a dog coming by me in case I, you know, pass the virus to them or anything like that. Um, <laughs> take off my mouth covering, yeah. you know, no hand sanitizer. I think that's what I would do. I would just enjoy the nature and just, just be outside with myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, is there anything that scares you about lockdown ending? I did actually have the virus. Oh, so okay. I, so I actually lost my sense of taste and sense of smell. So what scares me <laughs> after lockdown finishes is that I still don't have my sense of taste and sense of smell. Mm. It's been like almost two months that I don't have that. So I mm. think I will go back to my normal life, but those two components that makes me human, I still don't have. So it worries me a little bit in that sense. What was your experience of it? Was it, did you get it very seriously or were you more of one of the ones at home and what was your experience of it? So I didn't notice it as quick as I wish I had. I mean, I'm not sure there, there was anything I could have done to avoid it at that stage, but I started getting like feverish, like my, my body started hurting. So I started feeling a bit feverish. I just thought, um, it's probably nothing, you know, yeah. I'm, it's all probably all in my head. I'm thinking that I'm probably just warm or something yeah. <laughs> to happen for like maybe three or four days. And then I started feeling really tired I, I couldn't finish any movie I couldn't finish like reading any books I would mm -hmm. just feel very exhausted um that was maybe for three days after the fever was gone and then all of a sudden my friend and I started going for a vegan diet and she said let's buy this vegan cheese I had a taste of it and I said oh wow it tastes like nothing maybe it's just because it's vegan cheese and it has mm -hmm. no flavoring and uh no it was simply because i lost my taste lost of smell taste. and and scent yeah it was really bad are you and it's just i yeah, yeah i think ahead. it's affected me quite a lot mm -hmm. i mean i mean okay food is it's really nice to be able to smell and taste food but even like just your perfume or like i don't know anything that you put to like wash your clothes like you really miss that it's like very yeah. simple things that you really do need what are your feelings about how, uh, let's back up, I mean, 
for those people that don't know, obviously, um, you spend a lot of your life in Italy, you have family in Mexico, you have people all over the world. Um, you're multicultural, you're an international by anybody's standards, but you've been in London now for what, four years, five years? Four years. Four yeah, years. Um, how do you feel about how the English um, reacted to lockdown versus maybe your Italian friends versus maybe your Mexican family? Um, I think we were stubborn and uh, yeah, we we reacted way too late. Um, I mean, I remember when it first started coming in the news, I was constantly like putting hand sanitizer, being careful and everything, but nobody else really gave it a second thought to it. They were still going outside, still meeting people, still touching everything without a care, as you would under your normal day to day. You don't really think about it. Um, But yeah, I think it got very crazy. There was, I feel like it was maybe a week when lockdown was just announced and that people went crazy and started buying as much food as they could, as many supplies as they could in the supermarkets. I even heard someone got mugged of their like toilet paper. It was, it's insane. It's like, I don't understand this toilet paper thing. (laughs) I mean, really? And maybe it's having lived in too many countries with bidets. It's the last thing that (laughs) crossed my mind. It's like, Pasta? Yeah. yeah, I went for the pasta, the espresso, and the olive oil because I live in Austria. <laughs> so if the border's closed, I might not get my supplies of that. But toilet yeah. paper never crossed my mind, but it was wiped out here. There were people getting angry with yeah. each other for toilet paper. Yeah, I definitely think that the UK um, messed up. They should have reacted mm-hmm. way ahead. I mean, seeing how it affected Italy was, was so sad and so like heartfelt. Like I really felt for them. I contacted most of the people that I still talk to and I asked them like if everything was okay, if like that, I'm, I'm thinking of them, like, but I mean, thankfully they're all okay, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, they really did have it hard. Yeah. I must Italy. admit from my point of view, I was really proud of the Italians. We locked down uh, here on the first day mm-hmm. of uh, that the Italians did, even though Austria didn't in contact with families with little kids and actually being very positive and actually enjoying the experience. Uh, and of course, as you know, in Italy, there's always the one who's got to do a polemic. And so I yeah. actually got some fun watching the mayors trying to explain to people why they couldn't do that in a very Italian way, yeah. you know, kind yeah. of like, what do you, there's this one mayor who's sitting there and he's like, these illegal hairdressers, who's gonna see your hair he's like the coffin is closed lady (laughs) you know and it's just the italian way it was very funny it was very light it was whatever um what are your feelings and and i think this is especially true in london because london's a very uh, intimate place if you like yeah if you go out if you do things it's hard not to touch and be touched by people it's just you know people are moving there's a lot of bustle um, wh- how do you think social distancing over the long term will impact the culture, or do you think it they actually won't be able to do it? I'm not sure. I I think I mean drawing it to myself, and I've yeah. said this a lot to to my friends. Um, I've told them that it really shocks me how one person in in China who had bat soup and got this whole thing spread mm-hmm. out out of all the people that I could have gotten it, I got this. So it makes me think like 
you know, I'm always touching everything in the tube. I sit down and I touch the seat or I see something on the seat and I wipe it off so that I don't have to sit on it and things like that. So it makes me think once it goes back to normality, I'm going to be so conscious of everything I touch. I probably am for the rest of my life going to have hand sanitizer in my pocket all the time. Um, but that's just me. I don't think a lot of people in the UK will have that mentality. I think they'll just say, oh, it's gone. Yeah. Let's go back to the same thing. Let's let's go back to being dirty, if you want to call it that way, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. So, The way you saw your future and your life four months ago. Yeah. And the way you see the world and even your ability to control your future. How has that changed? I'm not sure. I feel like... I definitely feel I have more control over over what comes my way, over yeah, my future, I would say, now that I have the time to to analyze it more, mm-hmm. to be within myself. But um I'm not sure how much as a person it would have changed if this hadn't happened. Cause I feel like I'm very controlling person. I write I like to <laughs> in a good way. In a good <laughs> no, way. It's I'm, fine, a very, fine. <laughs> I'm a very controlling person. So I think that it wouldn't have varied so much so without the pandemic happening. Definitely, as I said, one thing that I will forever take with me is just being more hygienic, being more aware of my surroundings, being more aware of whose hand I shake or who I um, hug or things, things like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you think it'll, or how do you think it'll impact the fashion industry? And I both mean on the front end, but Mm -hmm. also just as much in the back end. If you think of fashion shows, if you think of the way we put things together, um, you know, it is one, having worked fashion shows, I know it is one of the most intimate things that exists for a very intense period of time. Do you think it'll have an impact either from what the what the customers need to feel comfortable or in terms of how the industry functions? Yeah, I think definitely the industry is going to have to dive deep, dive deep into personalizing the experience for consumers a bit more. Maybe even like fashion week is not going to happen anymore. It's going to be all behind a screen. Mm-hmm. Although the exclusivity that comes with going to fashion week I'm not sure how the industry is going to handle that because if everybody is able to attend the show, then where's that exclusivity that the fashion industry brings into just having famous celebrities or, you know, editors coming into the fashion shows. Mm -hmm. Um, What about from, um, from a creative standpoint, and this, once again, you know, going back to glitch and going back to new creatives and things like this, how do you think this impacts them? So I would say it's going to break a lot of barriers. I think a lot of the times in in my position when I've been, you know, trying to perfect high quality projects for myself, let's say, I've always had to reach out to friends and reach out to other creatives like photographers or stuff so they can collaborate with sure. me and we can yeah. create something wonderful. So, but the one thing that I think that this lockdown is, helping us realize is that we all actually can do everything on our own. Mm-hmm. We can actually set up a, a magazine our own, on our own and we don't have to wait for someone else to come and help us. So I think that the the important thing that's going to come out is the organic content that you can do from home. Mm-hmm. A lot of brands I've seen are collaborating with models or they're sending them 
pieces of their brands um, or new collections and they're taking pictures at home of them. And I think it's a breaking that barrier between the the viewer and the the brand, making that connection a little bit more personal. Yeah. Less than having like a, a beautiful editorial with like very made up models mm-hmm. in a, and an amazing atmosphere around them. So it's not very real. It's very yeah. made up. Yeah, it is. It definitely is going to inspire a lot of people to start doing their own things, which is good, but it's not good for the people that are higher up yeah. that, you know, have built this image that everything has to be perfect. And um, I don't know, from like a class standpoint, mm-hmm. you have to be a certain person to be able to to talk to me or to attend to this or to see this type of content. Yeah, definitely. We need to close the book and just start fresh, I think, at this point. Rag it up, rag it up, I got a bit of the bank to make me a safe house. Shake it up, shake it up, she got her hands on her knees and she bringing the cake out. Smoke it up, smoke it up, I got some gas, some packs, I'm up in the greenhouse. Ball it up, ball it up, I'm with the gang, we taking shots off the rebound.